Good morning. Welcome to worship here at St. Luke's. If you're worshiping with us online or over at the Lutheran Haven, we welcome you as well. I am Pastor Elliot. I'll be leading the service today. Pastor Tig has our message. We invite you all to record your attendance with us by using the St. Luke's app or texting the number 8 to the number that is on the screen. As we continue on with our sermon series, our Easter series, as you, if you will, which is resurrection. This changes everything. And today we will be taking a look at Saul as he is turned from an enemy into an ally. And then, of course, in turn, we ask, how has Jesus changed me into his ally? An interesting question to ponder, and we look forward to our message today. We will begin just a moment after the ringing of the bell. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Praise to you, O Christ. Alleluia. Blessed be God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. O oh, come, let us worship him.
If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us then confess our sins to God our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways, to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his only Son to die for you and for his sake, forgives you all your sins. As a called and ordained servant of Christ and by his authority alone, I therefore forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. O God, through the humiliation of your Son, you raised up the fallen world. Grant to your faithful people, rescued from the peril of everlasting death, 
perpetual gladness, and eternal joys. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. Our New Testament reading this morning is from Acts chapter 9, and this is the basis for our message today. It is the conversion of Saul. Luke writes, But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. And he has seen a vision, a man named Ananias, come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much evil he, he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus. And immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon this name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in, Dis in Damascus, by proving that Jesus was the Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We read responsively, Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly set in the heavens. Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. 
Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Our epistle reading is from Revelation chapter 5. And here we note that when Jesus takes the scroll, a new song of praise breaks forth in heaven, for everything is changing, and heaven itself is rejoicing. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked, and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
please stand to honor the words and work of our Lord and Saviors recorded in the Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 21st chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Here in the restoration of Peter, Peter reveals that he cannot love Jesus as Jesus loves him, yet Jesus restores him to ministry anyway. Truly, Jesus bridges the gap between us and him with his death and resurrection, a resurrection that changes everything. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. And they said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord! When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although they were so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. Jesus said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated.
Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here in our text this morning, we hear the early church described as the way. I really like that word, the way. Jesus taught that he was the way, the truth, and the life. And his disciples throughout his ministry followed him on the way. I've heard it described that the the church was not just a group of religious people, but rather a group of people who embraced the gospel as their lifestyle, a whole new way of life. Which made me wonder, what would our world look like, our community look like, if we embraced the gospel as our lifestyle? And then we have this picture of Saul. This murderous Saul. We see him first in Acts chapter 7 where he was a young man at the stoning of Stephen. And in Acts chapter 8, it it indicates that that Saul not only accepted and embraced this execution, but, but was a great persecution himself against the church in Jerusalem. It's described, Paul is described as ravaging the church with his entering into house after house, pulling pulling Christians out and imprisoning them. For me, it it, it brings to mind this picture of Nazi Germany pulling out house-to-house Jews. See, this was an attempt on Paul's part to purge Christianity. And Saul is reintroduced in our text this morning as breathing threats and murder against the disciples of Jesus. Saul takes this initiative. He goes to the high priest to seek approval for this blanket, this blanket ability to arrest any Christians that he sees. See, followers of Jesus were expanding further and further out of the city of Jerusalem, and so Saul was taking his show on the road and expands his scope to Damascus. I envision the evil in Saul's heart growing with each step that he takes closer and closer to the city. But then, in the perfect moment, God intervenes. And the people following in the way in Damascus have no idea what future they would have been exposed to without this interference of Jesus. And that made me wonder, how many times has God interfered in someone else's life in a way that blessed us by evil not happening. We sometimes focus on the evil things that do happen to us without pausing to reflect on how many things has God stopped from happening in our lives. Now, if the resurrection changes everything, there are some people for whom the resurrection has changed very little, which begs the question, what are the marks in the life of somebody who has been changed by the resurrection. And I believe in our text today, we have three very specific marks of somebody who has been changed by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The first is pretty obvious. It changes the way that we see, the way that we perceive the world around us. Prior to this event, Saul was spiritually blind to the power of the resurrection, to the reality and the truth of who Jesus is. And then, his anger burning and clouding his view of Jesus, he is struck physically blind as well. 
Now Saul rises from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. I can't really imagine what it would be like to go from being a sighted person to being blind. But I imagine that, especially initially, it would be a very humbling experience. He needs to be led around. He's helpless to navigate without someone else's assistance. Now, I imagine that a blind person who's in a familiar environment can manage fairly well on their own. They know how many steps from one room to the next. They know the location of every piece of furniture. But when you have somebody know who is now recently blind in an unfamiliar city, in an unfamiliar environment, Paul is totally unequipped to manage on his own. His eyes are about to be opened, both literally and figuratively, to the knowledge of the truth. Later, in chapter 26, Paul gives us a a more detailed account of his experience on the road to Damascus. God says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Then there's this strange phrase that Jesus says, it is hard for you to kick against the goads. More on that in a second. And I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. And then Jesus goes into a much more detailed account of what Saul's ministry will look like. But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and a witness to the things in which you have seen me and those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. I love these additional details. But what in the world does it mean to kick against the goads? Well, Chuck Swindoll says this, apparently to kick against the goads was a common experience found in both Greek and Latin literature. It's a rural image, a a practice of farmers goading their oxen into the fields. Now though unfamiliar to most of us probably, Everyone in that day understood the meaning. Goads were long, slender rods that were blunt on one end and pointed on the other, sometimes even with a metal barber spear. And farmers would use this pointed edge to urge a stubborn oxen into motion. Now occasionally the oxen would kick against that spear and, and, and puncture itself, and so by doing so and resisting, it would just cause further harm and pain. Saul's conversion could appear to us as having been a sudden encounter with Christ, but based on Jesus' expression with regarding his kicking back, it could almost be as if Jesus has been working on Saul for years, prodding and goading him. And then in verse 18 it says, And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized. This verse has always creeped me out just a little bit. The, the scales falling from his eyes. I, I tried one time to put contacts in, and I could get them in just fine, but getting them out was something entirely different, and so glasses it is for me. But something like scales fall from his eyes. This is a, a symbolic image of, of Paul now becoming reborn, transformed, seeing the world from a new perspective. And he's baptized and filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And he sees the world differently from now on. 
That really is the, the true understanding of, of, of knowing something. That once you truly know something, it changes the way that you perceive everything else. Knowing Jesus changes the way we see the world, just like scales falling from Saul's eyes. So we are not to see things from an earthly perspective. What is it that we have in our lives that blind us to see the truth of how the resurrection impacts our lives? See, when Jesus opens our eyes to the truth of the resurrection, it changes everything, and we are called to a life that sees and understands the new purpose that he has for each and every one of us, to see and understand, to have the ability to enter into a complex situation and know what's right to do, wisdom from God to see and understand that even in suffering, God is at work, working things to our good. And if seeing is the first mark of somebody whose life has been changed by the resurrection, then I think being able to suffer well is another mark of someone whose life has been changed by the resurrection. God tells Ananias, for I will show him, Saul, how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Now here's the irony, right? The, the man who is guilty of so much suffering on the, on the case of, of Christianity now is going to suffer himself because of Christianity. It makes us wonder, how much have we suffered for the name of Jesus? Now certainly the suffering that we encounter in the United States is far less than this. We don't really know true persecution. Maybe we whine a little bit about the shrinking Christian influence in our society today, how opposing ideologies are growing in their influence, but it's a far cry from the actual martyrdom that still occurs around the world today. And yet we do suffer physically and emotionally. Maybe you have lots of questions about what God is leading you through right now if you are in a season of suffering. Maybe you're even in a season of suffering that tempts you to say, is this really God's hand in all of this? And if so, it's important to hear this, that God is still in control. He is fully in control and has a plan. And that plan is amazingly good, even if it feels difficult and overwhelming right now. And his plan ultimately is to make everything right, undo every wrong, and literally blow us away with how amazing and perfect it will be. And focusing on that promise that is eternal puts in perspective the troubles that we face today. They go from confusing and overwhelming to what God in Scripture calls light and momentary. Sometimes it's easy to feel a bit like Saul, just sitting blind in the dark, overwhelmed, but waiting for God's will to be revealed. And in the meantime, praying for the wisdom and the strength and the courage to faithfully take the next step. And when we suffer in this way, the hope that we have will be visible to others and it will be a powerful witness to others of the true difference that the resurrection makes in your life. But we can also suffer spiritually. Our souls can definitely be impacted by the, the physical and emotional suffering that we face, but we can also face suffering because of our ministry. 
As you suffer in your own way for the ministry of God, your life has become so much more. God is pouring blessings into your life and breathing new life into you, making you a part of his mission. And in fact, sometimes it can seem that the more dynamic and impactful the ministry that you have is, the more and more suffering will be entailed. Because Satan, he loves to attack those who are living out actively the gospel in their lives. He loves to make them suffer. See, he doesn't need to worry about the bench warmers, those who are, who are just taking up space, not actively living out their faith. They're no threat to him. But those who are willing to allow God to transform them by the resurrection and are now living, breathing incarnations of Christ in this world, he does his very best to slow down and discourage. And the resurrection changes how we suffer from misery and complaining to rejoicing and persevering. And as the way we suffer changes, we need to find our source of strength because this does not come from inside ourselves. And that gets us to the third mark of somebody who has been changed by the resurrection. The resurrection changes how we find strength. The Lord tells Ananias, go, along with startling news, that he is to encounter Saul the mightiest persecutor of the church. But not only this, this this public enemy number one, God says that Saul is a chosen instrument of mine. Now this this word instrument is is perhaps better uh, understood as a container or a vessel. And here in Acts chapter 9, Saul is to be a vessel to carry the name of the Lord God to the Gentiles, to the kings, to the people of Israel. And this is essential to understand, especially in the context of what Acts says as Paul becoming stronger and stronger. It's not that he is becoming stronger himself, but that more and more of the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ is poured into that vessel, that chosen instrument. It is God in him that is making his presence stronger. The resurrection makes us instruments, vessels of God. We are filled with the Holy Spirit, with his power, with his understanding for the purpose that he has to work ministry in our lives. In verse 17, so Ananias departed and entered the house and laying hands on Saul, he said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. He calls him brother His enemy, who has now been transformed, he calls brother. What an an amazing word that describes so much grace and forgiveness. Because Ananias knows and realizes that as he has been baptized and become a, a follower of Jesus and a child of God, a son of God, now Saul, who has been baptized, is an adopted son of God his brother. See, the resurrection makes us a forgiving family. And Saul, taking food, he was strengthened, and for some days he was with the disciples at Damascus. There's a, there's a fair amount of learning that Saul is undergoing at this stage. 
I'm sure that prior to this moment, he only listened for enough key words to be able to understand and know who was a Christian so that he could imprison them. But now his ears are listening for what it means to be a Christian, to grow as one, to understand. Paul, or Saul is being fed both spiritually and physically. But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. The Jews were amazed and confused at his transformation. And his story of transformation from the, the, the most vile enemy of Christ to who will become one of the greatest apostles is a great witness to the transformation of Jesus. I see that the strength of Saul was increasing and convincing enough to quickly change people's hearts. He was one of those people that, that, that the Christians just wanted to hate because of his past. But because of the words that were coming out of his mouth, they were compelled to love. He won them over when they could see that the Holy Spirit was clearly working through him. The resurrection is change. It changes everything. The center of what Paul had to learn is the center of what everyone has to learn in this journey of being a Christian, that it's not about me, that we are simply the instruments, the vessels for what God pours into us. There is one central fact for which every human being will sooner or later have to reckon with, that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. And if that is true, then everything needs to be rethought. And here we see in Paul's life a dramatic rethinking and recentering of how life takes place. Christ is the center of everything in our lives. To quote a pastor who lives in the haven, if the resurrection didn't happen, then nothing else matters. If the resurrection did happen, nothing else matters. Now may this peace that passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.
Together we confess the faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. In the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshiped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Please be seated. Having heard the word of the Lord, we now come to this portion of our service where we pause for just a moment to consider what we have heard and how we will respond. There are receptacles in the back and on the side walls to accept your offering, but as we do so, we also take a moment to thank you. You see, we relish the fact that we got to celebrate the 75th anniversary of our school ministry this week. I'm not sure, but I think there was something like 300 pounds of cake for everyone. It was amazing. The Lord is indeed good, and we thank you for your generous offerings of time and treasure and talent that keep this ministry moving forward. So whether you participate in school events, the PTL, annual fundraisers, fundraisers, or a host of other things that are happening at the school, we would like to celebrate our work together that keeps this ministry moving forward to raise up new generations of disciples for our Lord. So to thank you for your generosity, I believe there's a video. Hey, Wildcats, I'm Wally Vinovskis. I'm president of the SLC District of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. St. Luke's Lutheran Church and School is part of the SELC family. We cover a lot of the United States and parts of Canada, which make up our church body. And we're so happy to be with you today to celebrate 75 years of St. Luke's Lutheran School. In the Book of Lamentations, it says, You, O Lord, reign forever. Your throne endures from generation to generation. Seventy-five years. That's about three generations. It means your grandparents could have gone to this school, your parents might have gone to this school, and now you're here. And we're here to celebrate and give thanks to God for all the blessings that he has poured out on this church and school, for the spirit-filled staff, for the Christ-centered teaching, and for the grace-filled community, which is St. Luke's. I congratulate you, I celebrate you, and I praise God with you for his good gifts to you. Happy anniversary. Let us pray. Almighty Lord, Heavenly Father, there probably isn't one among us who wouldn't want to meet you face to face, 
Yet sometimes the change that your resurrection brings into our lives brings changes that sometimes frighten us. Help us see the lies of Satan that hold us back from embracing the changes your resurrection brings. Aid us and guide us in our mission to proclaim the gospel so that more hearts might be awakened to the wondrous change of life everlasting that your resurrection brings us. Lord, you are the great physician. We ask today that you would restore to health those who are sick or injured in any way. Today, especially, we pray for Bud Christie, Lee Conitzer, Millie Hirsch, Lila Hawley, Michelle Mueller Jackson, Philip Menino, Bud Pedley, Pastor Roberts, Sharon Roloff, Valjean Shook, and Nancy Waterworth. Father, we also ask that you would comfort and give your peace and the hope of life everlasting to those grieving the loss of loved ones this day. Today we pray for the family and friends of Evelyn Heinlein at her death, the family and friends of Mary Overdorf at her death, the family and friends of Leola Newton at her death, for Shelley Goltara and family at the death of her mother, Jean Lackey, and Lori Briquette and her family at the death of her mother, Cecilia Mooring. Lord, we lift up to you our brothers and sisters around the world who are suffering persecution because of Jesus. Strengthen their faith with the hope they have in Jesus' resurrection, giving them a boldness of witness that points others to Christ. Father, we also give you thanks for this truly wonderful day when we get to celebrate new confirmands in the Christian faith. Help these confirmands to see the power of Jesus' resurrection and all that means in their lives. By the power of your Holy Spirit, aid them to follow Jesus all their days. And thank you for the wonderful 75th anniversary celebration of school ministry here at St. Luke's. Continue to bless and guide our school leadership in the administration of this ministry and our wonderful teachers that pour their hearts into their students. Give our students the strength to finish this school year well and aid them in their work of learning in the years ahead. We ask for safe travel for our upcoming fifth grade field trip to the Keys. Guide the teachers, chaperones, and students in their experiences so that they might receive a renewed appreciation for your wondrous creation. And thank you, Lord, for the institution of marriage. We celebrate with Hank and Bev Millies as they celebrate their 55th wedding anniversary. Continue to bless their union and help them mirror your love to one another and to the world. All this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand. We pray as our Lord has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Receive the benediction of the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.
Well, good morning once again. It is so wonderful to have you with us here for worship this morning. A few announcements. I am your prayer partner if you need a prayer partner, so don't leave this place without a burden on your heart. If there's something on your heart, come on up and we will share it with the Lord together. Um, just a few more things. Um, we are celebrating our 75th anniversary of the school, and guess what? We have a service project going on this morning. So if you would like to come and pack some uh, bags for the homeless, we over in the new gymnasium, the project is ongoing all morning. Come and help us make these things all nice and full so we can give them out to the homeless. Uh, we also need to announce that both Sam Schick his, Sam Schick has received the call here to St. Luke's and will be arriving in a few months once he graduates and gets ordained and all those other good things that concluding students do before they hit their first call. But he will be here this summer. His wife Alex has received a call to Redeeming Life Ministries in Sanford. So we look forward to their ministry among us. And, of course, 11 o'clock today, we have confirmation for 22, 23 new confirmands. So we look forward to that today as well. It is a day of celebration. And to top it off, I think there's coffee in the school cafeteria. So there's lots of things to do this morning. Come and have some fellowship and join in to the ministry here at St. Luke's. Blessings on your week. Mm -hmm. 